Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are looking at background material to understand better how and why Paul came to the city of Thessalonica, from which we now have two epistles in our New Testament written to the church that was established in Thessalonica in present-day Greece. In those days, that was called Macedonia, a province of the Roman Empire. And how was it that Paul happened to come, well, happened is probably not the right word, how come Paul decided to come to the city of Thessalonica? And the first part of that answer is because he no longer had opportunity to minister in Philippi. Philippi was the first city that Paul came to when he left Asia, we would call it today Turkey, but Asia Minor, and crossed the Aegean Sea and landed uh, in Macedonia and came quickly to the city at Philippi, where he had his first ministry on European soil and a fruitful ministry starting with the conversion of Lydia, a wealthy businesswoman who was worshiping the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She and a a number of women gathered at the riverbank on the Sabbath day and conducted a little service, a prayer service and a worship service, I guess, they had there. No men were interested in that. There there weren't enough enough, uh, Jewish men in in Philippi to establish a synagogue. So this group of women who were worshiping the God of Abraham gathered at the riverbank on the Sabbath day to worship God and to consider the scriptures together. And Paul found them there and preached the gospel and Lydia believed and apparently others believed too. And then there were a few others along the way. The Philippian jailer who was converted, he and his household, in such a spectacular fashion. Probably this this slave girl, out of whom Paul cast the demon, no doubt was one who came to a saving knowledge of Christ as well. And, and so a, a church was gathered in Philippi, but the Philippian jailer situation caused Paul to be invited out of the city. He was asked to leave. The magistrates appealed for him to go, and he agreed and left the believers behind. Now, let me pause and welcome you to this Wednesday, January 31, edition of the Beacon Broadcast, and to thank you for your consideration of our financial needs as we continue to air this broadcast on a number of stations where God has 
opened the door of opportunity and supplied the necessary finances. Thank you for your help. Well, yesterday we looked at the account of that demon-possessed slave girl who followed Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy around and declared publicly, these men are the servants of the Most High God, whom God, uh, who, who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And after that went on for several days, Paul said, stop it. And he commanded the spirit, the false, the uh, demonic spirit, to come out of her. And when that happened, she had no more ability to tell fortunes. And so she was a slave, and she was owned by masters, and it was a business enterprise, and they were making a lot of money off of her because people came to her to get their fortunes told. And apparently that demon that was in her gave her ability to at least make people think that she knew what she was talking about and was very convincing, and so they were willing to pay money for that. But now she had no more power to do that. The demon was gone. And that's what got Paul and Silas thrown into jail. And I read the account yesterday where they were dragged before the magistrates, and there they were stripped of their outer garments. They were beaten publicly, thrown into prison, where at midnight they sang praises to God, and an earthquake opened the doors, and and uh, the Philippian jailer came in and was was converted, and that story, I trust, is well known. But then the magistrates sent somebody the next day to tell them to uh, please depart um, quietly. And they knew that they had put them in prison without any charge, without any evidence that they'd broken any Roman law. They just did it to please these wealthy businessmen who were angry because they'd lost a source of income. And wanting to please these influential men in the city, they had Paul and Silas beaten and thrown into jail, but of course that was wrong. For anybody it was wrong, but now they became really afraid when Paul said, they have done this publicly, and now they want to privately appeal to us to leave? No, let them come down here themselves and escort us out. In other words, they must, they must get us out of jail as publicly as they put us in jail. Because, he said, we are Roman citizens. Uh-oh. They had no idea. They did not even consider the possibility that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. Now, we don't know how Silas became a Roman citizen, but we do know that Paul was born a Roman city, a Roman citizen in the city of Tarsus. We don't know all the details of that, but we do know that he received his Roman citizenship at birth. So now they were in real trouble. They had not only committed a minor infraction of beating someone and putting them in jail without a legal charge, but that was not such a big deal with the Romans. That sort of thing was done quite often. But if you did something like that to a Roman citizen who has well-established citizenship rights and privileges, which must not be violated, and you have violated them, you're in heap big trouble. Now, here's the question. 
Paul was a Roman citizen when they took him to the before the magistrates and stripped him and beat him, right? It didn't happen. The next day, when the magistrates sent word for them to leave jail, that they'd put them in one day and they spent the night, but no. Back to verse 19, but when her master saw their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the magistrates, or into the marketplace, rather, to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Now, the question then is, why did Paul allow himself to be beaten, painfully beaten, and publicly humiliated, and didn't mention his Roman citizenship then to stop that from happening to him when that's what would have happened if he had said, I'm a Roman citizen, you can't do this. That's what he did later when he was when he was almost killed in the Jewish temple and a Roman centurion sent his soldiers down to rescue him out of that situation and brought him up and then into the fortress and then stretched him out on the rack in order to interrogate him uh, in a way that he thought would be likely to get truthful answers. And at that point, Paul said, is it legal for you to to uh, treat a Roman citizen like this who has not been charged with a crime or found guilty? And the centurion said, stop it right now. Stop, stop the uh, proceedings. And he questioned Paul about his Roman citizenship to be sure that it was true. And it was a very serious legal offense for somebody to claim to be a Roman, a Roman citizen and not to be one. Very unlikely that anybody would do that. But that was the occasion when the centurion said, I acquired my Roman citizenship at great cost. In other words, he had to pay a pretty impressive uh, fee, maybe a bribe, we don't know, but he had to pay a pretty good amount to make it happen in his case to get those privileges. And Paul said, oh, I was born free. I was born free. I was born a Roman citizen. So on that occasion, I'm just laying out the contrast. On that occasion, Paul stopped the mistreatment, stopped the pain, stopped the interrogation by bringing up his Roman citizenship before they were able to proceed with the painful part of that. But here in Philippi, he doesn't bring it up until the next day after they've been beaten, thrown in prison, and then the magistrates come to say, or the, the magistrates didn't come, they sent messengers to the jailer to say, let them go. And the, and the jailer came to them and said, the magistrates have, have agreed to, to free you, so just go quietly. And Paul said, not on your life. They beat us publicly. They threw, they humiliated us publicly. They threw us into prison publicly. And now, if, we're, if they want us to leave, they're going to have to come down and request that publicly as well. Because they have beaten Roman citizens without a charge. Serious, serious offense. Now, my question is, why didn't Paul use that Roman citizenship card uh, 
the day before to avoid a beating? And the answer is, we don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. But he did use it the next day. And it seems to me, again, I'm just using my, what should I say, my 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 logic to arrive at what seems to me to be the most likely answer. It seems to me that Paul did that deliberately for the best advantage for the gospel. He knew that if they beat him as a Roman citizen and then found out later that he was a Roman citizen, they would be very unlikely to do anything against him in the future, lest he report what they had done, and they would probably be equally unlikely to interfere with the gospel and the work of the church in Philippi because those church members were all associated with Paul, and they all knew who he was and what had happened to him, and they could report that to the Roman authorities. So it seems like Paul was willing to be beaten painfully and to be publicly humiliated in order to gain a strong safeguard for the other Christians and for the progress of the gospel in Philippi. Paul used his citizenship to the advantage of the gospel. It wasn't there. He didn't view that as something to keep him from getting hurt. He didn't view that as something that he did in order to stop himself from feeling pain and suffering. He was willing to, re- to have pain and suffering if in the course of that he could in some way help and advance the cause of the gospel. That's what I see. That's what I think Paul is doing. And that's what we should do too. If God has given us anything, but in this case citizenship privileges, let's use them for the sake of Christ's kingdom. Should Christians vote? Of course. Politics is not the answer to our problems in America, but we can use our citizenship for the sake of the gospel. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.